about uh, 20 years ago, I attended a series of teachings of uh, Shukinima Rinpoche in Kathmandu. And I remember only one thing, apart from how he made me feel. And that one thing was, he said, the main problem is that you are thinking too much. The main problem is that you're thinking too much. And back then I didn't really see, I didn't really saw what he meant. And today I would like to explore thoughts. What are they? What are they made of? Where do they come from? Where do they disappear? What's the stuff they are made of? And who is having them? And I would like to brush to brush against glimpses of a thought-free space. Maybe not in the sense that there are no thoughts anymore, but the possibility that you inhabit the thought-free space more than you inhabit the thoughts. To inhabit the thought-free space more than you inhabit the thoughts. Kind of shifting your address your cosmic address from thoughts, stories, memories, names, judgments, descriptions, hopes, fears, to relax that address, that identification. into a thought-free space which is not separate from the movement of thoughts. So the thought-free space is not found behind or below the thoughts, it's found in the thoughts. 
peace is not found behind, above or under what is happening right now. Peace is found just within what is happening right now. This requires a ruthless willingness to feel radically what you feel. Starting with the body. And to make that movement, not because you want things to change. To make that movement, not because you hope that is a technique which make, make you feel better. If you do anything in your spiritual practice, to make you feel better, you close the door to the big feeling better. Maybe you open a door to a small feeling better, a feeling better which comes and goes and will disappear when you leave the practice. And that's not liberation. That's not freedom. So when we explore thoughts today, I don't want to give an impression that thoughts are the enemy or thoughts are bad. What we actually start to discover that it is not the thoughts, it's our relationship with thoughts, which is problematic sometimes. And obviously there is creative thoughts, there's creative planning. But most of our thoughts are hell. <laughs> and most, all our thoughts are inaccurate. Yeah. All our thoughts are mistaken. Because they pretend that the things which we are thinking about really exist. But within this inaccurate, this mistakenness in all thoughts, there is some thoughts who are really crap, and that's 90% of our thoughts. The worst thought which is shared in our culture well, I don't know if it's the worst, but one of the top ten <laughs> is I'm not good enough. 
something is missing. I am not whole. I am not home. I need something. I am seeking. This is not it. This is samsara. This is suffering. And sometimes this, I'm not good enough, really becomes hell. Waking up every morning in darkness, made by a thought. An image I would like to use today is the image of the mirror and the reflections in the mirror. So the mirror itself, the mirroring receptivity of the mirror itself and that which appears in the mirror. So when we would, I want to focus on one aspect of what is appearing in that mirror, and that's thoughts. But, but of course, everything else is also appearing in that mirror, in that capacity to reflect. So what happens is that the mirror loses itself in the reflection of the mirror. The mirror itself, the capacity for mirroring, inhabits the reflection in the mirror. And with that inhabitation, it seems to lose itself. and tries to manipulate the reflection in the mirror where he has, she, or he, or it, has no control over, no control whatsoever, just an imagined kind of control. And spending his or her mirror life in trying to optimize the reflection in the mirror which is hopeless. In our case, it's even worse because the mirror which we are, that receptivity, that beingness, that aliveness, that presence, that essence love, creates a me as a reflection in the mirror. So it not only creates, it's maybe not the right word, radiates a me into the reflections. A me which is, is kind of, you have the, the me, 
reflection in the mirror, which then believes that the other reflections happens to it. And that whole thing completely cuts us from what we are. And then we are trying to find liberation, peace, love in the reflections. So how to get a glimpse of that thought-free beingness? So one, one way is like this. So what is here, so here, in this body-mind. So it's a little bit like this. You gently Gently and lightly, it's, it's not a, it's not a, it's not concentration, it's not focus. It's a, it's a slight, gentle movement, like a curiosity. And maybe that curiosity is also shaped or colored by a profound devotion, a profound love. Or maybe some people would call it a profound call for home. So you turn that, you turn your attention, your curiosity, your heart, you turn it slightly backwards. But it's not a big movement. It's very gentle. It's, it's more like yeah, it's, it's a bit like falling in love. And it's it's kind of you feel you feel that place which you already always have known. which you always already have known. So you turn your attention like this, almost as like if you could roll your eyes a bit inward, trying to look into the looking. Obviously that's not possible, but that's this little... So a self-inquiry question can can 
support that movement, the question, what is aware? Who am I? So, it, so you do this little movement and then you relax completely. So it's like this. It'll, so that's like the mirror, the receptivity of the mirror attempting to recognize itself. So it draws the curiosity away a little from the mirror, from the reflections in the mirror. Not that they disappear, they stay. But, but there is a little less engagement. Partly because it has realized what I'm looking is not found there. Partly because it is disenchanted by the, it is dis, dis, disenchanted from trying to find liberation, peace, love in the reflections. Trying maybe many, many years in your life, trying to optimize the mirror, the reflections in the mirror, moving here and moving there, shifting partners, doing this, doing that practice, having a career, health project, all, all of that, yeah, all of that. And at one moment, there is this kind of, shit, it's not working. And in understanding that it will never work, never ever. And understanding that samsara is not fixable. So you turn the turn. That, that movement is called renunciation in the Buddhist teachings. Yeah, that, that disenchantment with this rat race, hamster wheel. Not only, not only 50 years, 60 years, or 80 years, no, since beginningless time. So, but then, what is important then, is this, just letting go of everything, letting go of any effort, letting go of any movement, letting go of any commentary. So, when we look at thoughts, and we will do that also in our first meditation, the movements of thoughts. What I mean with thoughts is, well, there's two kind of aspects of thoughts, of thinking. One is mental images, 
And the other is an inner dialogue. It's kind of auditory, you know? It comes almost with a sound. Maybe the voice in your head talks in, in your own voice. Maybe it's your father's in some cases, yeah. sometimes. But it, but, it, but it has a voice quality. And people are different. So it seems pe some people are more in the images and some people are more in talking, talking in the head. So this, this movement creates perceptual filters which disconnects us from reality as it is. It disconnects us from present moment awareness. And it is easy to say, see, that you are not your thoughts because when a thought is gone, you are still there. In dreamless sleep, where there is no thoughts, in dreamless sleep you don't dream, there's no mental images, you are still there. You don't die in dreamless state. You are still there. You have had so many thoughts. Don't know if ever, anyone ever counted them in one day. Probably it would be also difficult exactly to define what one thought is. But it's thousands, thousands of thoughts every day. And ten years ago, the thoughts and the mental images which came moving through the mirror-like receptivity of your beingness were completely different. Your hopes and fears were completely different. But you were still there. Actually, we also know now that you were already there in the room of your mother. And tomorrow, we don't know what life will bring you. Everything can happen at any time. Could be that tomorrow the shirt you're wearing is belonging to another person. We don't know. But what, what we know is you you here with a capital letter. You. The you who was there when you were born, and even before. And we could even go into the question, that capital letter you, when did it come into existence? How, how many cells were necessary 
two, three, four, five. Or was is it even possible that the U, the capital letter U, was there before one, before one cell, before the semen of your father hit the egg of your mother? It's it's almost an insane thought, from my point of view, to think that just the accumulation of some cells matter which is not experience, which is not consciousness, comes somehow into, into existence when that matter is complicated enough. So tomorrow, we can't say what happens. But what can we say? That you, capital letter you, which was there, I mean, if you are a materialist and you think brain is somehow producing consciousness, and let's just look at one at, at this at this life. But the you who was there in the room of your mother, and the you who was there when you went to kindergarten, and the you who was there when you were young, and so on and so on, that you will be also there tomorrow. And from the Buddhist point of view, that you will be even there when this body-mind dies tomorrow. Because that you is prior to any kind of experience. It is prior to any kind of thought. It's The mirror-like quality of the mirror is prior to any reflection which, uh, which appears. And it's so silly to think that the mirror is created through the reflection in the mirror. That's, that's the wrong way around. <coughs> This body-mind is a reflection in the mirror. It can't be the cause of the mirror, the mirror-like quality. So right now, without referring to thoughts, who the heck are you? Without referring, and maybe we can even expand that a little, because everything else, sounds, sensation, they are also a reflection in that mirror. But let's focus a bit on thoughts. So without referring to thoughts. Who are you? Without referring to names, without referring to memories, without referring to fantasy in the way, in a way. Who are you? Without referring to past, without referring to future, You are here. You, you are just happening. 
But who are you without referring to thoughts? Without referring to your name, to your gender, without referring to your personality? You see, and then you make that little movement. Attention, reflectivity, capacity to reflect is starting to become aware of itself. You become conscious about being conscious. And you're losing the interest in what you are conscious of. In other words, you start to meet the subject. So initially that is confusing. Initially, that could be even scary because we are so addicted to thoughts. The main refuge for us is thoughts. Initially, it might be impossible for you to imagine that life is possible and life is happening, could happen without thinking. Although we often have that kind of experiences in flow, in daily life. But we brush it away or we don't pause in these moments. Now, in the beginning, when you, when you start to learn to drive a car, you needed thinking. You needed instructions. Do this, do that, remember this, signs, this, that, that. Now, you can drive thought-free. Unfortunately, because you're addicted to thoughts, instead of just driving, you do anything else. <laughs> But actually, driving or biking or being in the fitness center or doing some sport where your body doesn't need instructions anymore or painting or other expression of creativity. Yes, in the beginning, when you learn an instrument, there's a lot of doing. You need to figure... And then it just happens and it's thought-free. You're not thinking about what you're playing. So it's not uncommon. And isn't that the most beautiful moments in our life? Because in that moment, these perceptual filters which disconnect us from reality, from what what is here, they become transparent. Maybe they fall completely away and you feel alive. You see and there's only the seeing. You feel and there's only the feeling. You hear and there's only the sound.
Some people bring themselves in life-threatening situations to have a moment of thought-free beingness. Now bringing them somewhere on the mountain, just hanging on one finger, because it feels so good and is so self-validating and so full and so complete. That moment of thought-free beingness where you are or where, be, where you become aware that you always have been and you are the mirror-like capacity, the presence, which is in the nature of life. So what some people, initially in meditation, what sometimes happens that we try to get rid of thoughts or control them, or we might even sense a meditation where there's a lot of thoughts, that's not really a meditation. I mean, in some... Actually, you don't find these instructions. No meditation teacher says thoughts are, you know, thoughts are the enemy. But sometimes, somehow we hear that, or we have a bit of an idea that when there's thoughts, that's definitely not meditation. So the mirror-like receptivity of the mirror, and I said that before, but it's such an important point, is not behind the thoughts. It's not that the thoughts have to stop. The thoughts are a movement. The, the, the receptivity the capacity of the mirror and the reflection, they are one thing. They're happening in the, same, in the same thing, in the same movement. So you don't need to go beyond thoughts or under thoughts or behind thoughts. You just... You just... You just... You just go there. And if you go there, you, you, you directly see there's nothing. There's a beautiful expression in the Tibetan tradition which I found helpful uh, initially in my meditation practice, and that is thoughts are like drawings made on flowing water. Thoughts are like drawings made on flowing water.
So who are you? What are you? This may be a better question. What are you without referring to thoughts? So now we are not looking for a kind of a state or something, you know, something we need to maintain. Like, you know, oh, I, I need to break through to the other side, yeah? And then I stay there, yeah? We are talking of uh, its glimpses. In the moment where I ask this question, what, what could happen? And that's different for different people. Yeah? So that's why I, I try to throw as much as possible images into this yeah? to kind of hit some of you. <laughs> yeah? And what hits one person doesn't hit the other person. So now I lost the train of thoughts. <laughs> I just move on, move on, and nobody notices. So who are you? What are you? When you're not referring to thoughts, ah, now it comes. So now, what might happen is a kind of, it feels a bit like a shift. It's just like, or it's like a puzzlement or a wonderment. Like, like stop, like, yeah, like, or like after the outbreath. It's like that, that space before the next in-breath comes in. In the Tibetan tradition, they also call it the gap between thoughts. So, the gap between thoughts, when that shift, this glimpse is happening, there is nothing there. But that nothing is home, is everything, is love, is home. Is peace, is fulfillment or wholeness, which never went away. It is always available. Only it is only available now. It is always available now. And then it closes again. Then a thought comes. Oh, maybe, maybe. That, that was it. I, I just saw it. Yeah? So what you have to do, or what you could do in that moment to recognize, oh, that's, that's a thought. Or if something arises like, ah, shit, I don't get it. What you could recognize in that moment, oh, that's a thought. Or I, j 
just I just I, I just don't get what he's saying talking about. Oh, there's another one, another thought. Or oh yeah, there is something. I, there is that. There is that place I have I have always known. And some people call that gap between thoughts. I amness. Not I am b b b b, yeah. Just I amness. And of course, I amness is also just a thought. It's just a label, just a word. Another thought could be. Ah, oh, this is not for me. That's too. This is not what I'm looking for. I, I, I need. I, I need something else. This is too complicated. It's just philosophy. It's just philosophy. It's just a heap of thoughts. That is also just a thought. Then you would just recognize. Oh, it's just a thought. This. Uh, it is just a thought. Of course, it's also just a thought. So at, at one point, it's just a thought is replaced by just seeing it. What do you see? A drawing which is made on flowing water. Meaning, thoughts are self-liberating. You don't need to do anything with it. You don't need to apply antidotes. You don't need to try to control it. They are self-liberating. A drawing of a, a drawing on flowing flowing water disappears by itself. When you try to let go of a thought, which is impossible because you don't have it, you can only let go of something which you have, but there is nothing there, so how could you let go of a thought? So wanting to let go of a thought is just another thought. And it's impossible. One of the challenges here to really Uh, find a thought-free space is that we try to find the sol solution for thoughts in thoughts, in more thinking, and trying to figure things out. So that's part of this movement, trying to find peace in the mirror, in, in the reflections in the mirror. But there is just one thought after another, reflection after reflection, thoughts about thoughts about thoughts about thoughts, in a, like in in a like this kind of reflections, you know, where you see yourself millions of times in in in, in the on the yeah, you know what I mean. It's never ending. It's scary. 
it can be scary because we, we trust the thinking. I need to find a solution. I need to plan. I need to judge because that's the strategy which will bring me into a, into a peaceful place which is in the mirror, in the reflections in the mirror. And it, it's not sustainable. It has to be kind of kept alive and renewed and thought again over. So boring, yeah? So boring. The same kind of change of thoughts. Like reading a book over and over again where you already have memorized the plot. <coughs> and then that addiction to thinking. It's also our main strategy when we feel discomfort. Trying to find solutions, trying to get rid of it. So here the approach is very counter-instinctual because our instinct says, hey, you need to think about this. You need to figure it out. There has, to be, there has to be a solution in thinking. So the, the, the invitation here is, is counter-instinctual. It says, just be here. Feel what you feel. Let yourself, let the mirror, the reflections in the mirror, and here now, everything you experience right now, thoughts, I mean, for many of us, thoughts are really the thing in the foreground. Yeah. I mean, if you think about today, how much were you in touch with the people around you? How much were you in touch with taste, smell, sound? Five minutes? Maybe not even that. It's so draining, it's so depressing. Because because we we we, we cut ourselves with the with the with the with this addiction to thoughts from a natural vitality, a natural joy of just being alive. It is actually enough just to be alive. Just to be alive, just to be is self-validating, self-confirming by itself. It doesn't need anything to happen, nothing special to happen. Because that aliveness, that beingness is connected with everything. And it's full of, it's full of wonderment. It is love. Pure love. Just love. And it has no boundaries. And it is not yours.
so glimpses. Follow your intuition home. You know this place. You always have known it. And no thoughts can, you, can bring you there. No spiritual practice can bring you there. No, no insight can bring you there. Because that's all reflections in the mirror. Actually, any sense that you need to do something, that you need to cultivate compassion or cultivate concentration, these are all movements of the mirror confirming that there is a real person experiencing something real. In this case, a spiritual practice which has some imaginary goal like an awakening or enlightenment or something like that. You can't move to stillness with sound. You have to hear the stillness in the sound. You can't move through movement into stillness. The, sti the movement is the stillness. So, then of course, then you can think, yeah, but there's anxiety, there's sadness, there's depression. In that moment, you recognize, oh, oh. That's a thought. That's a thought. I mean, anxiety itself, it's a word, it's a thought, it's a judgment. So short glimpses. Repeat it again and again until they become continuous. Is it possible to live a thought-free life? Yes. Absolutely. You start to learn to live from that stillness, maybe initially with a few activities, making music, running, and then slowly, slowly you extend that capacity. Have you ever gone to a, it's a stupid example, but have you ever gone to a bookshop? You had maybe a bit of an idea what, what you want, but you were guided by your intuition. So 
So of course it's possible to go to a bookshop and buy the right book without thinking. The problem is more that we don't trust it. Because we trust thoughts. How often in your life did you know what was the most beneficial to happen for you or for someone else and you didn't do it because you believed more in the, in the appearances in the mirror? You believed more your thoughts about what other people would think. It took me years and years of teaching to realize and to, to trust that I don't need to prepare. That I can, that I can go into a whole week without any agenda, no plan. Now, when I started to teach, I, for one week of teaching, I prepared like a month. <laughs> And I did that quite a long time until slowly, slowly, it became apparent that all the papers I made, that I didn't use them. That it was a complete waste of time. That the best preparation actually for uh, teaching is to be here. The best preparation for tomorrow, the best preparation for the meeting tomorrow, the difficult meeting you have, is to be here, to feel your feelings, to approach, to sense the capital letter U, and to trust that. Because that capital letter U has an inborn intelligence. An inborn intuition of goodness, of care. It has an inborn intelligent love. Okay, so that was the meditation. It's called dynamic meditation. <laughs> to, to, to prevent you uh, to try to figure out what I'm saying, so I just fired. Is a, I, I, I don't know what the English word for that is, but there is a, a German word which is Ahnen or Ahnung. So that is a, that is a kind of 
a kind of knowing, like it's it's I don't know could be, but then even then I don't know if it has the same meaning. Yeah, but it's like yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. It's like yeah, intuition. It's like yeah, yeah. I don't know, but I know. Yeah. So so maybe like. Uh, you know, some of you think, shit, I don't get what he's talking about. It's, it's just, you know, I don't get, but I get it. Mm -hmm. like, I, so I, I get it. It's something, and, and so maybe you are still in, I don't get it at all. Yeah. So that's also fine. Yeah. I'm, I mean, this is also, this is, you know, it depends a bit on how we resonate with each other. Yeah. How, how, like, you know, so if there would be someone else sitting here and saying the same words, because you might resonate with that person better, you 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 still wouldn't get it, but you get it better. Yeah, I mean, the the the, the I don't get it stays the same, but I get it. You no, know, the other kind of I get it is is a bit stronger. So it's very important to continue to uh, to go to uh, uh, teachers. It's it's. I really don't like to call me teacher, but anyway, it's, it's a, uh, to 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 people who share this, yeah, where you where this the, the I don't get it, it, that's fine, yeah, but where this I get it, where that is strong, where where that I get it, das ahnen, die Ahnung, so. That's a resonance between the mirror-like quality here, the mirror-like capacity, and the mirror-like capacity there, which is not separate from each other. So when my words come from or move through that mirror-like capacity, then what can happen is that they land there where they're supposed to land, and that is in the mirror-like capacity there, which is not really there. Yeah, It's not separate from each other. It's like mirror-like capacity, receptivity, waking itself up together. Yeah, so it's not like I have it more and you have it less. It's like a together, we together as a group. <laughs>